Well, hey, everybody, we are back. It is time for another Shared Desk. I am your host, T. Morris. We're doing things a little differently right now because it is the COVID-19 recording edition. That is where uh, we basically keep it bare bones. No drop-ins. Theme will be dropped in uh, in post because that is that is the way we live as, as uh, podcasters and content creators. We fix it in post. I am your host, T. Morris. And right over there, my better half in the other room. I'm Philippa Valentine. And we have a special guest. Special guest sign on in. Hello, welcome, Mr. Morris. We have heard you've been having trouble with tech goes. support. Here he goes. <laughs> From Google. Look. Taking it right off. I, look. <laughs> you are in a customer service vindaloop. I need you to answer. Have I serviced your concern today? Well, look, when it comes to servicing me, when it comes to servicing me, no one does it better than that man right there. That's Seven Gupta, everybody. And we're off and running. Um, we're off and running. To the races. To the races. To the races, everybody. Yeah, we... Multiple entendre. I honestly don't know why it has taken us this long to get Seven on the show, but now as he's sitting there firing off rapid fire, I'm like, oh, wait, this might be it. He's a very busy, busy man. He's actually busier than the two of us combined. Yeah. I would dare say that. Yeah. That's... Accurate. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest. It's totally In fairness, accurate. you have small humans to take care of. So it's like, Seven, how have you maintained your youthful appeal for so long? Like, people are just realizing now that I'm in my late 30s turning 40. And, like, they've thought I was in my 20s this whole time. It's like, you look so much younger. Like, what's been going on? I was like, I didn't have kids and I didn't marry. <laughs> that, that would do it. That would do it. Good choice. I, I had the brilliant <laughs> idea to have a company because that would be less stressful. Ha 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 ha! So yeah, hiding yeah. real pain. So the, the thing with kids is you can send them off to college and they're, they're done, right? They're done. Companies are forever. That's, that's yeah, exactly. It, it's it's per the Glee teacher from uh, Community that show. No, that's, no, yeah. this is us. This is forever. This is this is who we are now. So. My running out of ink up here. This, this, this <laughs> used to be as, as black as midnight. <laughs> yeah, you can't blame children for it. No, you can't. Which, which, which really segues into the, the, the penultimate question. Savin, who are you and what do you do? Everybody, <laughs> smoke if you got them. Smoke if you got them. I'm gonna. I love. I love the kindergarten cop setup. By the way, Savin, who is your daddy and what does he do? <laughs> So we don't uh, want to get into that conversation. Hi, <laughs> folks. Yeah, I, I, I seven. Compared you, to my father. Hang on a second. <laughs> seven. Who is your daddy? I'm your daddy. OK, now answer the damn question. Back to your box, Morris. Yeah. <laughs> Back into the corner. So hi, everyone. My name is Seven Gupta. I am the president and CEO of Steamfunk Studios, a multimedia production and marketing firm that started about nine years ago, officially nine years ago on the books. Off the uh-huh. books, we've been running this this uh, raggedy runaway train for about 10 years. We began as a series of performance troops, which became what is now known as the Living Multiverse, which is a cross-media, massive-scope fiction project that transcends genre, much in the style of Michael Moorcock's Eternal Champion and uh, things like it. We, we intend to roll out RPG products, comic books, and eventually literature so world domination that that's by my other endeavor (laughs) (laughs) i wasn't even kidding um (laughs) the the unconventional cropped up in the backdrop of that as we sought a publication or publications to really champion 
journalistic credibility and academic excellence in fandom. And we haven't seen that. The closest we saw was insert title here. And, and Mr. We'll just say his name rhymes with uh, Cardick. Cardick uh, got his TV shows and ran for the hills. And the masthead in question uh, is a pale, emphasis pale, shadow of its former <laughs> self. I will drag someone on here real quick. Nobody we know personally. Um, we also saw the fiasco with a rock, paper, shotgun trying to sweat Mike Pond's myth who is an icon within the cyberpunk field and a black man all his life longer uh-huh. than their masthead longer than their rag has been alive and uh they tried to lecture him on power dynamics and oppression in his consulting work on cyberpunk 2077 completely unaware that he has been writing for the rpg cyberpunk 2020 2022 excuse me i think uh since long before this and that he's literally been in the genre for decades like generations and it's things like that that made me say, wait, pop, pop culture, fandom has been pop culture for 20 years. It's almost old enough to drink on its own. How do we not have a rolling stone of fandom? This is ridiculous. Yeah. And uh, I'll, I'll talk more about that later. But the, so we coined the term a, a study in fanthropology and treating these cultures that word. as cultures. And they have their own history, their own heritage. I would not know this had I not dated a belly dancer, but American Tribal Fusion Belly Dance came to us out of the SCA. Most of the development there between Zoe Jakes and Rachel Bryce and so on. These were names that literally they grew up in the SCA. They built their careers in that. And then they took it out, out on the road into the world at large. And that's where that all comes from. So much about fandom culture has informed pop culture. And so few people, it goes so much further than Star Trek communicators and cell phones and Bluetooth. <laughs> so, and- so, and one other thing, there were three things you sent me that you, that you said you wanted Sepia to... Sepia Riot is a community that I'm building yep. of uh, championing Indian, Arab, and Asian representation in fandom, as well as works inspired by those cultures. But specifically, we, we try to focus on content producers, content creators, folks of these abstractions, of these marginalized demographics who are bringing new content to light. And so that, that's those yes. are the three endeavors, and this is all under this is all under the umbrella of Steampunk Studios. Does Steampunk have? I mean, there's more. <laughs> I'm sure there is. <laughs> does Steampunk? Yeah, but does Steampunk have a website? We do. It's humble. Don't look at it. Look away. Look away. It, um, They're so are, busy creating content, everybody, that they don't have time for a website. They just don't. <laughs> but that was working right now, and this is literally it's taken seven years. The unconventional, we wanted to subvert the 24-7 news cycle, the first to break news, and the sort of media fish-eyeing that happens on that, when like the obsession is we have to be the first to break the news, and the news has to keep going 24-7. We said, no, yeah. we need to have more long-form, abstractive understandings and discussions about the history and the development of these things. So we focus on evergreen content, which is good because we were, we've been trying to get this thing launched for seven years. The Unconventional is launching this year, I'm pleased to say. Marketing site's coming soon. Mm-hmm. We'll have a teaser of the content. And then we're going to have a proper marketing cycle because it would be absolutely shameful for me of all people to not have a marketing <laughs> cycle for what is one of my <laughs> flagship endeavors. Very true. Yes, Very true. Yes. So, um, so obviously you, you touched on just a few of the um, bazillion projects you have going on, not to mention your own academic pursuits. Which you've shared with me and Pip as well. There's that too. So the first question I've got for you is um, how do you manage 
all of these projects because they all do feel like they're it's massive it's, projects. Yeah, it, it doesn't even feel like it doesn't even feel like we're we're asking you what do you do. It's more like what aren't you doing? I mean, what well, are you know? In that, fairness, so, yeah, I have to run my schedule like a Wallachian tyrant. Um, <laughs> so I I literally have a schedule. Uh, I wake up at a certain time. There's some fungibility there, but especially in the era of COVID, at the same time, no, I, I wake up at a certain time, like clockwork. My body clock is trained. I go to bed or at least put my head down and rest for a certain time, like clockwork, like I was in the military. Right. And uh, what's more, a certain degree of when you manage expectations appropriately and you hold people to that demand. So part of our vetting process is can you hold to a schedule? Can you meet your obligations? We litmus test people in advance so that when I bring collaborators, contributors, etc., staff on board to any of these mastheads, they have been vetted. They have been put through the ringer. And what's more, there's still a month to two month long orientation process where we kind of ramp up. We don't expect people to be Superman out the gate, but we do expect to ramp up so that they're at least Damian Wayne Robin by the time we're done within the three month That's fair. schedule. That's fair. And, spe- yeah. and, and speaking from personal experience, if there is a problem, provided, provided you don't wait until the deadline, you can sit down <laughs> with the people and go, you know what? Right now, my life is kind of turned upside down, and I cannot be there. And there's no ill will. Uh, they they basically say, "Well, hopefully, when your schedule lightens up a bit, T, you can come back and join us." Uh, and and, See, and, and I, I told you're telling on yourself. I wouldn't have gone there, but I, no, no, I, no, I, I want to go there. Always throws himself under the bus. I, I will. I gladly throw myself under the bus because much, uh, much like what I was talking about this morning on my on my gaming stream, is that there there is a a certain amount of responsibility for owning your crap, and right. and and I what I what I respect a lot about what you all are doing is that you are. Um, you're doing this, but you're handling it like professionals. There was no guilt trip. There was no, there was no, oh, well, we couldn't count on you anyway, or any of that cattiness. It was just like, okay, cool. And, and it was, it was reciprocal because I didn't want to wait until the 11th hour and tell you, I think I've bitten off more than I can chew. Um, so, so I I, handle yourself like professionals. It's amazing how simple things are. There's, there's no ego. There, there's no like. There might even be emotions, but there's not like so much emotion that one can't handle themselves and right. compartmentalize. And it's like, okay. Now, don't get me wrong. Did you leave me at the altar? I am a little like. I had a monogram chair. She's technology <laughs> officer waiting. We had such plans. Such plans to no, but my point is when you handle yourselves and comport yourselves like professionals, it's really easy to not be uh, a hot mess. I, 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 it is only fair though, Seven. I gotta let you know, as you were doing that whole thing with the monogram chair, I suddenly flashed back to Carrie Fisher holding the AK forty seven and and talking to Jake and Elwood about being left at the altar. If you remember, Jake left left young Carrie Fisher at the altar and said <laughs> I feel like like during the whole whole speech, the car broke down. There was a there was a there was a problem. There was a the check didn't come through the mail. Locus, it wasn't my fault. I swear to God. And then and then you got you had that John Belushi moment where he goes, he looks over his hands like, is she buying it? <laughs> yes. So so Pip, your next question. I I was just gonna let you two roll with that. Oh, would you stop? <laughs> I just wanted to, uh, um, when you were talking about all your projects, um, and I'm thinking you're like the mega, mega collaborator. 
compared to us. Oh. We've 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 done anthologies and we've done role playing games and we've done podcasts um, podcasts in collaboration with people. But one, there is. I feel like there's not as many people that we've collaborated as you have with yours, and ours have usually been like short term projects. So. I, I just like how many people are you collaborating with, like right now? Oh lord, um, I'll give you the rundown. I'll give you the specs on that in just a second. <laughs> um, to be clear, in fairness, though, you complete stuff. Like it's like okay, the anthology is published. Yes, boom, it's we're done. done. Yeah, you know, the podcast is recorded. Boom, it's done. You know, my white whale, if you will, my my my, uh, my kryptonite is getting this stuff to a level of satisfaction where I go. No, no, it's complete, it's done, put it to market, you know. What we're doing, and, and I mean, the, the unconventional is an exemplar of that, but it is my primal scream, our collective primal scream, against the entropy of standards in the market today. So we're, a friend of mine tried to qualify it as Atlantic-grade Atlantic content mm -hmm. for free. Ooh, um, okay. I, 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 I was vaguely insulted while taking that <laughs> as, uh, as the uh, compliment it was intended, and I said... Much more like a cross between Project Syndicate and Rolling Stone is where we're aiming for with that. I love it's, Rolling Stone. And, and <laughs> with, with that, that, that's what we want to be. That's where yeah. we want to be. And um, one of the endeavors I haven't really named or enumerated is Geeks Gone Wild. And that is, shout out to my team, my social media team, Team Kitsune, uh, who run that. And yeah. basically that is, it started exactly as it sounded like, uh, as a drunken bet. And then I'm very pleased to say that it evolved. <laughs> into the right side of image appropriation or attribution, I should say, not appropriation, image attribution, uh, you know, lauding the cosplayers as well as the photographers who make them still look so good, as well as the, the hair, the hairstylists, the makeup artists, so on and so forth. Like whenever we could credit the right people, we got on the right side. Those are important and, collaborators. And, right. and we, we promoted the hell out of a lot of up and comers over the last decade with that. And that's, They've gone on and built their mastheads and built their brands and so on and so forth. So, and this gives us a very, very good reputation for collaboration. So, a huge part of that is just having the reputational chops to reach out to the right people and ha not have them go, "Well, who the hell is this asshole?" Instead, go, "Oh, oh, I've heard of you. I know the standards of quality you have. This is impressive. All right, I'm excited. Let's 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 talk turkey. Let's let's start getting into the horse trading and all that." So, a huge part of that is standards and practices. Mm -hmm. I come from the world of finance. I, I was financial markets before I did all this and struck out on my own. So, and, and process management was quite literally what I did in operations. Uh. So writing procedures, writing processes, and then automating and running and cross-training people is literally what I did. And that's what I've done with my social media teams. It's what I've done with my writing and editorial teams. It's literally we had to establish procedures, establish what, what is the SOP, and then go do the thing. Simple. We could have done with that, T. <laughs> I feel like a lot of our collaborations we just kind of fell into and flailed around in. And now hang on a minute. Uh, hang on. Time out. Time the them, F out. Not all of them. When we did, we did I would say with the podcast we did that. I would say with the podcast we did that. <laughs> we weren't allowed to do that with Galileo Games. Galileo, no, Game, no. Galileo Games was, was very, very clear. And I believe that was when um, that was when we, we sort of noticed, oh, this is how this is a higher level of, of collaboration. And then we get to, to Savin's level of collaboration, which is you know, just how the f does he do that? And and in fairness, I spent ten years running across one end of this nation to the other like a lunatic, 
finding people and building my uh, Avengers initiative and X-Men network, right. so to speak. So there is that. And uh, one of my mutant powers is recognizing talent that is sometimes underutilized, undervalued, or just hidden. And uh-huh. going, wait, wait, there's like a chime that goes off, not to sound too woo-woo about it. And I'm like, wait, you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep your contact details. You come with me. <laughs> right. We're, we're going to have a talk later. And uh, that has happened on such a level and, you know, you do that. And I mean, I do vet like something like 600 to 1,000 candidates annually. And, wow. Um, like, and that's varying degrees of vetting from like, they never even know they're being scouted to, okay, now we've had the conversation to, all right, now we're in the application process and, and so on and so forth. So that's, that is something I am literally constantly doing because I recognize attrition will always be the, uh, the, the devil's hand on my shoulder going, hey, Savin, like in an ideal world, where no, no child ever lost a balloon, we'd still have turnover, you know? And I'm very pleased to say that we have less turnover than most paid endeavors, and that's yeah. largely through vetting both for zeal and for quality and uh, really analyzing that. And not just quality. I don't mean to make that as a slam for anyone who doesn't stick with us, who doesn't make the grade and so on. It's Sometimes it's just not a good fit, and, and this isn't for yeah. everybody. And, and that's... I'm answering probably some downstream questions. Let me bring it back to the answer to Pip's question, <laughs> which is... How many people are working with you, Seven? So, <laughs> yes, because I, I have a nebulous idea of this whole... Past and present, hundreds. Literally yeah. hundreds. But, um, I, but the, the question I would have for that is, okay, so, so you're, you're vetting all these people, but the real, the, the, the real meat and potatoes is what are they doing? I mean, I, I've I'll, heard... I'll explain. <laughs> no, please, please do. So okay, for starters, we had to begin at the beginning. We began as performance troops, and that's how it all started. So originally we, we were vetting and bringing on board improv performers or logistics staff to work with them and help with them. There were folks like Tony Noto out in New Hampshire who was our event manager who would literally book us for events and arrange protocol for going to events. And we got him out of operations staff from the same company that runs another anime convention and ran Steampunk Industrial Revolution up that way. So that's So we would hire event staff and other performers and things like that. We'd bring them on board. As this evolved, and we turned our focus inwards, because around 2014, we hit critical mass. We went from one performance troop, which was Slick Brass and the Tittlest brand, to two performance troops that was Rohan the Dogs of War. We got approached by some of our friends in the Rhode Island Pirate Players to say, hey, Savin, we want to start a Lovecraftian horror comedy troupe. And I was like, and we want you to produce us. And I was like, wait, what now? And so <laughs> we engaged that conversation, and that became, all right, now there were three performance troops in-house after they were vetted, processed, so on and so forth. And then after that, I unexpectedly ended up running a LARP out in a steampunk convention out in Salt Lake, Utah for two years. That's that's a story unto itself, but to (laughs) keep it tight to the point, with that, I vetted a team out there. And while that contract did not renew, that team continued with us, and that was our fourth performance brand. And then some sometime clients down in Delaware who are LARP producers heard that I was doing all this nonsense and were like, Seven, Kachu. We want in. <laughs> and to, to which we then engaged in another six months a year long horse trading conversation back and forth. And that produced our fifth performance brand. And it's around this time or shortly thereafter that we realized that this was not sustainable. Like, if you're not a band or somebody hosting a TED Talk or series of workshops that has residuals and a residual business built around that, that is a uh-huh. losing business model. Like, you have to have not one but multiple revenue streams going besides your appearance fees or performance is a sucker's game otherwise. So we decided to get out of it for a while and be like, you know what, we need to really, we've been, in addition to all this, because that wasn't nearly enough, 
I was also, as I mentioned, sometime clients, we were also consulting. So we were providing operations and marketing consulting and media production to various clients within geek spaces. I've been responsible for several successful Kickstarters where I provided primary assets or worked with the primary assets or gave them branding where they didn't have it and then animated that branding and put together the video and so on that launched said Kickstarter. So we were taking all this client work amidst all this stuff and we realized that this just was not a sustainable model. And we said, all right, so reboot the business for the third time. We're going to turn our focus inwards. We're going to shut it all off outside. And we're going to focus entirely on our internal brands, our internal products, until we have a storefront where we have, okay, we are selling these things. This is what, these are the goods and services, most importantly, goods that we can put in your hands, that you can hand us this magic paper, (laughs) (laughs) and by which our company can make money. And so that's what we've been doing this whole time. The unconventional is free, and I'm going to say that up front. The entire purpose of that endeavor is to bring a community and a discourse back to the market that can help do the community building and build the environment where people might want to digest our product. And so that's pro bono, you know? (laughs) Wow. But at the same time, it's also building a network. And one of the things that almost every magazine I've seen not do, and this this is my performance background talking, is they don't give their contributors a proper bow. Like you, not to name names, but you look at crack.com and I love crack.com and you read the article and you get through to the end and it's at that point that everyone spent their spoons or their mana or whatever you want to call it. Nobody cares. And there's this like really humble microbio at the bottom and they're amongst <laughs> one of the best is the yeah. scary part. It's like they're amongst one of the best when it comes to proper attribution and accreditation for, for writers. And so many of these content mills are out there where they just don't give a proper bow. So I said, oh, absolutely, federally fuck that noise. Like that is, no. So somebody works with us, and T, you've heard this spiel before. Um, (laughs) There's a little blurb that's a floating frame because we also have a web designer that knows something beyond, you know, the web design theories of 1992. (laughs) Right. Because so many fandom websites don't. Right, uh, right. This is why I'm like, don't go to my website. It doesn't, it doesn't showcase the ethos that we're trying to project for our main project at all uh, with regards to design. And so with that, that microbio is a clickable link that will take you to an actual living resume that we update in perpetuity for anyone that works with us and provides us the content. So that's our give back to the community where we are going to continuously update their bios and provide the marketing acumen that I can bring to the table and manage them as a brand, so to speak. Not that, that is, overtly, that, that, but, is ama- that is amazing because a lot of the... Um, in steampunk, a lot of what you see, and I know we share some similar Facebook groups, mm-hmm. is like someone just slaps up an image and says, have a nice day, and they don't have any information about that image. They just slap it up, and you and I might go, oh, that's uh, Sarah Hunter, or you know, we might know certain things about that image, but nobody else ever seems to care too much about attribution. I love that you brought that up, and I'm going to dig into that in a second. So I'm going to answer the question for the third time. How many people and what are they doing? So right now, I have anywhere from 7 to 10 people on a rotation of four different teams of writing and editorial staff. Which, And when you add operations staff in, so I have roughly 49 to 54 people working with me in-house in the company as writers, editors, or some degree of operations staff like managing editors and things like that, making sure the trains run on time and things get done. Right. In addition to that, we have external contributors. We have over 20 external contributors. In addition to that, we have literally had, for like the face of our, our 
fiction and the various characters they're in, we have literally had, and this is not an exaggeration, hundreds, hundreds of models have come in and out. We've had people, everyone from like notable people who have their own names and brands, as well as people who were just attendees to the event that were like, hey, I would love to lend my likeness to this project. We explain to them what's going on. We say, you have a look that we're trying to go for here. And they sign the paperwork. We friend them on Facebook and tag them whenever possible. And, uh, and we add them to our unofficial company lounge where it's like, okay, in, enjoy our bullshit memes and whatnot in lieu of portraits in our virtual <laughs> lobby, you know? And, and that's, so how many people do I have working with me? Um, it's not an exaggeration to say I'm an army unto myself. We, yeah, we, we I feel like that room behind you is just full of people now. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is. Well, they're they're squirreled away like, between oh, the books. Sorry. <laughs> The, the bookcase opens up like Bruce Wayne's. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> like, <laughs> and there's like like a crowd of people back there. And, and these folks will know I'm calling them out by by name by my referencing these things. So to uh, my core staff on Team Albert, to my intermediate staff on Team Nocturne, to my senior creative staff, these maniacs literally lift 6,500 to 8,000 words weekly with me and join me on a creative meeting that spans two to four, recently three and three hours and 45 minutes, usually two and a half hours. Weekly from 10 p.m. to 12:30 a.m. every wow. week. So, that's a and long so, night. That's a long night right and, there. And then there's Team Kitsune, my social media staff. You guys rock, and and so on. And like literally, I have like team, 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 team. Like it's just Team Albert, Team Nocturne, Team Sphinx, Team Kitsune, Team Olympus, which is my operations staff who meet with me every <laughs> Monday and help run the teams as well as do all of the external. It's literally like, it's like me being Cisco grabbing the railing and saying, ops, and just turbo <laughs> 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 you, you drill down on seven and there's like multiple layers. It's like a, a, a you know. I just, I just, and and, and I know right 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 now what I'm seeing instead is we so we just finished like a collaborative baby we just we just finished on epics this series seven called uh, slow burn and it was about, it's about I think it was based off a podcast but it was about what it was like to be working during the Watergate scandal in you know like what it was like to be working in the government when Watergate was breaking. And they were talking about the, the 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 hierarchy tree that they were that they were drawing lines to that went all the way back to the president. <laughs> now I'm seeing Savin Gupta and I'm seeing all these and lines like, going down. It's like this this massive flow chart with 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 thread being tied in. You know, oh, all the total Charlie Day beam. Exactly, Day exactly, beam. exactly. You knew where I was going. So yep. so um, the the so with with so many people that you're vetting and so many people that you're that you're collaborating with. There's got to be there's got to be some stories not to tell any any too 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 detail and out of turn. There've got to be stories when collaboration has gone bad. How exactly do you manage that? So as I was saying before, in an ideal world, no child would ever lose a balloon. Right. And even then, life issues would happen, and so on and so forth. And like you're gonna know this, T. Pip. I think this is gonna be the first time you've heard this. This is the same spiel I tell everyone. I'm like, listen, okay. All we're asking is six to eight hours. And again, this is for internal staff, let alone external contributors who are completely different ball. But it's like six to eight hours of work a week. You know, I am not, I have no time to micromanage you. So that's on your honor, you know. And if you get the work in early and it's to quality, I don't care. <laughs> Enjoy. H- have a cookie, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> but, and uh, with that, you know, it's, it's gotta, you gotta be on the meetings. You gotta communicate proactively. I don't, have, nobody has time to chase you. It's understood that you're going to be 
accountable to yourself and also to your team manager, whoever that is, usually this asshole. Um, <laughs> and with that, there still come hiccups. And then, then I go into exception clauses. And I go, look, I want to run the kind of company that I would want to work for. So these are the three exception clauses we're never going to argue about. First, your health. Now, you are not obligated, especially across state lines. Nobody's obligated to disclose to me any conditions and whatnot. All they have to do is say, I got to call personal. I got to call an audible. And that's it. Especially with the nuances of the law across state lines. Legally, I cannot inquire nor pressure in any way, nor would I want to, frankly, because that's their business. Um, I'm assuming, sometimes wrongly, I'm dealing with adults. And so with that, <laughs> yes, that's how that do, so to speak. And again, if people are calling an audible week after week for over a month, then, we, then it's time to talk about a leave of absence. But other than that, that's that's is what it is you know and then there's you know obviously your day job now you're expected to juggle this amongst your existing obligations be it you know work or school whatever your livelihood is or both but there's we all know regardless of what your job is there is two to four weeks out of this year that are just abominable if you're in retail it's inventory if you're in like white collar work it's end of business close end of year close of business you know, budgets are frozen yeah. and they're shorthanded. You know, if you're a student, then it's finals. Like it's, we all have two to four weeks of this year that are just hell every year. And we understand that. We go, listen, as much notice as you have, we expect like 30 seconds less. You bang us an email, you send us a Facebook message, something. Be courteous, let us know. You know, simple. And then finally is your family. No, I don't mean, and I mean, yes, your family includes your significant other, your Komodo dragon, your pet Shiba Inu, what have you. The point is, I don't expect you to say, got family dinner, can't make meeting. That obviously, we're expected to schedule around that and put people on the appropriate calls at the right scheduled times to manage that. But if, you, if somebody's in a hospital, somebody's having a shotgun wedding, things like that, <laughs> there are things that happen, you know? And and that's okay. Somebody had an oopsie. You got to go. I don't need the particulars. That's I don't have the time to hear the particulars. <laughs> but you can tell me, hey, Savin or whomever, uh, got to call an audible. And the spiel is always the same. Very sorry to hear that, or congratulations, depending on circumstances. <laughs> you know, hope everything's okay. And if I'm waiting on something, revise DTA. That's it. <laughs> and so... Now, with all that caveat, yes, even in spite of vetting and clarifying that, and almost literally, I'm, I'm not going to say almost, literally everybody that works for me, with me, under the masthead, as opposed to external collaborators, has heard some combination of those words that hits all those salient points. Right. I've become very practiced at that bit. So when somebody then turns around and we then have a problem, I've had people who refuse to sign paperwork, and now... To be clear, it's not a small amount of paperwork. Uh, I hit people with seven documents. It is, there's an application, there's two references released, one, I've never given a bad reference whatsoever, but there's legal liabilities involved, things like that. Uh, either to give references or to properly call references across certain state lines, you need written pre consent in explicit form separate of an application and mm -hmm. somebody providing you contact data to literally contact their references. Otherwise, you open yourself up to liability, things like that. Um, then there's, you know, beyond the application and references releases, there's uh at will agreement. I'm, I'm nobody's day job. This is an at will arrangement, you know, that sort of thing. And with that, I mean, we do ask for like a week or two's notice, but like we, we can't insist upon that. That's, that's totally, you know, that's a courtesy. That's not the legal obligation. And we acknowledge that line literally up front. 
Um, there's obviously intellectual property. Everything that's worked on for the company remains with the company. Now, I can write a novel series or et cetera and so on and so forth because this is a sole proprietorship. This is not a cheerocracy. This is a cheer dictatorship. But at the same time, <laughs> but at the same time if I, if I imagine I sold off Steampunk tomorrow to like, say, say the mouse showed up unlikely and I would have issues with it, but say the mouse showed up and said, ha oh, seven, here's a big check. No, I mean a really big check. Oh. And, and imagine I took that deal. Okay. I would have signed off all of it. I would not get to work with any of the IP that we've created. That would be uh-huh. it. Again, horse trading terms and nuances apply here, but you know, that, that's the general gist of it. Um, and then after that non-disclosure, which seems like some people look at me like I've grown an alien head when I mention that. Like, no, the, the, the processes, the procedures, the sensitive information, the context data, from several below the line celebrities that we've worked with and, and folks like yourselves who are published authors who, who have their own celebrity. That's privileged information. You do not pass that around. That's, that's first of all, that's kept strictly need to know. And second of all, that's, it's, that stays right there as T, you know you had an assigning editor. They have your email. <coughs> I don't pass around your email. That assigning editor would not share that data. Right. And uh, yeah, that that's and the last is an I nine because God forbid I get audited. Not that my <laughs> books aren't in order, but I need to be able to prove everyone is who they say they are. And that's literally what that is. It's, it has nothing to do with their tax paperwork. It has everything to do with uh, who is this person? Well, to the best of my knowledge, officer, here's <laughs> their identification. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> it's just somebody I made at a con. I mean, okay. And, and this is why people with um, aliases and whatnot drive me up walls. I was like, listen, I, I'll I'll respect if you're gendering and transitioning genders into a different identity. That's one thing. That's not what I call role playing. That is who you are. Right. You are going to be going through whatever obscenely complex processes as varies from state to state procedures to change your name and that to for that to be your legal name. I mean, people who are like, I am the Magus of the blah blah And I'm like, listen, I LARP too, but can you, motherfucker, what is your name? <laughs> well, I like to answer to this. All right, is this a dead name situation? No, then fuck off with this dead name. <laughs> I need to put it on a tax form, okay? And, and so we've had people who refuse to sign paperwork, and especially legacy members. And now, listen, I have literally, everyone with the firm is now on the current paperwork. Yeah. I have had to track down people who I grew up with, people who I've known since I was 13 years old, and be like, listen, buddy, I know you founded the company with me. Sign the goddamn papers, please. <laughs> Not that they gave me a hard time about it. They were actually remarkably smooth about it, because of course they were, because they they have a stake in this. Um, for all that we're sole proprietorship, I do have two co-founders. I'm going to name them right now. Sebastian uh-huh. Barrows and Klaus Elbarut are both co-founders of Steampunk with me. Of the six people that started the firm, they are the two that remain. I am the sole proprietor, but I still run certain management decisions by them. They still get a quarterly report, just like any other official company, you know? Sometimes they have to tell me to tone down on the detail, you know? (laughs) (laughs) I I have to say, you know, seeing things in the steampunk community, man, you're the most organized. (laughs) Yeah, I I, I would agree. I I would agree. Now, look, look you, you say it baffles you. You say it baffles you. Now, th- this is where it com- becomes less of a – it becomes less of a uh, um, an interview and more of a round robin with creatives. You say that, but sure. here's the thing. Here's the thing is that, I mean, deadlines mean something. I mean, I, I, I've lost count how many times I go, even even on the, the corporate level, and and I'm, I'm 
sweating it and I'm sweating trying to make this deadline. And one of my bosses or, 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 or someone slightly higher up than me goes, goes, well, why are you sweating it, T? And I goes, I have a deadline. They go, it's not a deal. You know, if you're, if you're a week late, you're a week late. I'm like, are you freaking nuts? And then, and, and if it, if it isn't that, it's the other one. It's where, I, I, I kid you not, I, there, were, there was a, there was a cybersecurity firm that I was, um, uh, that, that I was working with and they wanted this video produced in-house. I was the guy and, uh, and, and they wanted it produced in-house and they wanted it done. Um, let's see. They, they wanted a 30 minute video done within, I want to say they had given me, uh, Oh, they, 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 they mentioned that they would get it done. And I said, okay. Uh, they, they said, what, what are you going to need to get this done? I said, okay, I'm going to need the script. I'm going to need the script done a month before we do this. Uh, I need to make sure that I can edit the script and I can make sure, and I, I need to know what you all are expecting. So they gave me a date and I said, great. When can I see the script? They said, well, we'll get it to you as soon as possible. Four weeks becomes three weeks. Three weeks become two weeks. And I said, okay, we have a problem. I don't have a script. And I made it very clear. I said, if you don't give me a script, this is not going to get made. And they were like, okay, the next day I had a script. And they, they I, if I remember correctly, they, they said they wanted this they, they wanted this thing to be no more than 15 minutes long. That's what they told me. Yeah. You, you remember this job, Pip. Yeah. Um, they so wanted a drink. It, they wanted it no more than 15 minutes long. They hand me a 15-page script. Now, as you know, as you know, Seven, and you, I can see it in your face, for every, for every page of a script, it's roughly two to three minutes of screen time. I went to my boss and I said, we have a bigger problem. They wanted a 15-minute video. This is a 30-minute video. She said, oh, T, you're, you're taking it too serious. I said, no. This is – I'm telling you this is what, what we have. And she went, just get started on the video. Okay. So I start working on the video. I have got I've gotten seven pages in, and my boss says, okay, T, where's the video? And I said, I'm still working on it. She goes, well, how long is it? I said, 16 minutes. She goes, where are you in the script? I said, page seven. And she said, that doesn't make any sense. I sent her the rough copy. She followed along the script. She was like, oh, wow, I see your, I see your point. It's two minutes per page. I went, uh, amazing. You amazing. might know what you're talking about. Yeah. So then I said, can you cut something? She said, sure. She sends me back the script after she cuts it. It's eight pages longer. And I just went. <laughs> so I managed to, I managed to get a 20 minute video and, um, and I did it and I had, I had four days to make sure the video was approved, that it worked, that it ran off of the DVD, that everything was fine. And it was a huge success. And, Next day, she calls me in the office. She says, T, they want you to do it again. I said, great. Here's what we're doing. We're gonna get, you're going to get me this script. A, uh, you're going to get me this script six weeks in advance. And I'm saying now six weeks instead of four because I asked for four and I got three. And, and I said, okay. She was, she was like, no problem. Okay. I will make, and I said, you're going to stand by me on this. She was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to stand by you on this. I had a week. <laughs> I know that chuckle. I know that chuckle. I had a week. <laughs> the and chuckle guess, of it gets worse. <laughs> and guess what happened? The DVD didn't work. And everybody was disappointed in me. And I said, really? 
Really? And so, yeah, I mean, it's that. It's it's it's, it's why you got a Montgomery Scott things because people don't. <sighs> everyone loves a rock star when everything's perfect, and the second the slightest thing goes wrong, it's on you. It's on it's, you uh, exactly. It's on you. And and yet and this is and I and I said that to my boss when the, when the second when, when the second DVD failed I said this is why deadlines matter because you got to test you got you got you got to test and you got to test and I was I was the guy that kept talking about deadlines and nobody understood that nobody understood right. that which boggles my mind because that is what we're trained in 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 school in 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 high school in college you don't if I can pick that point. If yeah, I may, if yeah. I, I'm going to pull that thread a little go bit. Go for it. Go for it. And and so we have external contributors that sometimes we go like, oh, can I get some feedback and so on? I was like, well, listen, bro, you've turned in two pieces to make a proper editorial cue to make it worth my editor's time. I need at least four articles before I can even send it to an editor. Like before I can even give you an assigned first pass editor, I have to have four in the can because I don't even know if you're going to make this run without that, you know? Right. And then, and and believe me, we've had people with lofty notions come and go, you know. And that's, I, I resolved myself a long, long time ago that I'm not going to be everybody's cup of tea, and I am powerfully okay <laughs> with that. <laughs> and uh, with that, so some people are very disgruntled to me, and, and I accept that. And that's that's just that that goes with the crown or, or, or the big hat. Um, Bottom line, since you since you wanted me to dish a, a war story or two, we had somebody who would consistently, consistently miss deadlines, and uh, then bailed on their first series. And then we had to circle back, and we we do an accommodation. We don't do this with everybody, and we're officially ceasing to do this with save for like one or two others, where we would sit down and I'd if they can't get the writing done, but they can vocalize. We will interview, actually record audio, and I'll take one of my poor, beleaguered ghostwrite editors, and we will transcribe and rewrite wow. what they say. Yeah. That's a kindness. And, I was going to say, that's that that's going above and beyond. Yeah. I, I, at least I would say that. We've had to do this for over six people. Those must have been six, six very talented people that really <laughs> wanted involved. You would think, for the most part, that's true. And those are extraordinary circumstances that will say, yes, break glass. I want that content. Right. You know? Okay. And, okay. and the, it's not just I demand it. The, the uh, ghostwrite editor completely understands why that's necessary and consents to very, with very clear understanding of what's being asked of them to go in there and do that. And so we had an individual, we had to ghostwrite their first series and then, like, we gave them various voice checks throughout the process. And then we were coming around on final voice checks. And they proceeded to... Ha- and they were, they'd were they already left the firm, turned to the firm, had another series that they'd started, had gotten over halfway through. And we were coming around to the ghost rights, and they proceeded to have a conniption about certain liberties that were taken as best. And again, that's the entire reason we do the voice check edit at the end of all this, is to make, even with something that's not ghostwritten, to make absolutely certain because we put things through five editorial passes. So like there's going to be some drift. Yeah. We want to make sure that that author feels that we've done right by their work. That's just a given. So I initiate this process. I've created procedures with my senior staff. I send them these procedures. I say, this is what we're looking to do. They decide those procedures weren't good enough and that they were going to rewrite the whole thing and then proceeded to spiral out three weeks in. And again, (sighs) ideal world, no child of illusion. (laughs) Right, right. That's a bunch of balloons right there. So, so we've handled that as best as possible. Right. We we tried to make them feel not as self-conscious as they could. 
they're dealing with some stuff and we respect that. And we're like, listen, I, I think we're at handshake. Um, I think that we're going to have to reattribute this series to uh, your ghostwriter editor who did the majority of the heavy lifting and so on. And so that series is getting a rebrand and a retitle and a, not a full rewrite, but a significant rewrite, which again, is going to tie up my resources for even longer. And yeah. now you know why this kind of shit has taken seven years to birth this thing into fruition because there's been many potholes and bumps in the road like that over the years. So like I've learned to kind of take that in stride while at the same time maintaining a standard of, no, no, this is actually kind of wildly unacceptable, but we're going to deal with this when it's absolutely necessary. <laughs> well, that, that's a level of persistence that um, if you're going to try and get something done, you really have to have and accept that it's going to be bumpy and, you know... We've, we've been doing a lot of DIY at the house and there's always right. all this horrible stuff that happens and the wiring's shitty and, you know, things don't turn out as you planned. But then at the end of the day, when you get back and you go, oh, that looks great now, you accept that the bumps in the road were worth it and the That's, final product is worth it, you know. You, you've summed it up perfectly, Pip. It's, mm. it's taken seven goddamn years. <laughs> but... <laughs> But the product is, I'm, I so stand by the product. And I'm, I'm so much different from all this. My senior staff are so much more matured from all this. We've all been through the fire, so to speak. And uh, <laughs> it really, I often make comparisons, and this is going to sound super campy. I, I make comparisons to the company of Thor and Oakenshield. We have all been forged through this fire. Uh, a very I love that. Deal. That and, was the first, no- when you, I saw so you were talking about the dwarves, and I was like, that was my first novel my dad read to me. Was the Hobbit? I'm gonna make a confession. I threw out my first copy of The Hobbit. I found it insulting <laughs> to my intelligence. I was eight. <laughs> hey, I remember. I remember reading. I remember reading The Hobbit to uh, to, to to little Sunny when, uh, when 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 she was when she, when she was wee, and I was so put I was so put off by it and the style of it. I literally fell asleep while I was reading it to her. I mean, it was, it was that, it was that dry, but I was determined to get through it. And I knew it made an impact when we were, when we were in uh, New Zealand, many, many years later, uh, sorry, not many years later. Let me rephrase that. Uh, a few years later, a, a, a few months later, a few months later, it was, it was around that time when, uh, when, when she came to her first visit and I said, I said, I said, uh, do you know what that is? And I was pointing to the, to the set of the Hobbit because they were they were re, they were refurbishing it for the Hobbit films, right? And uh, and without hesitation, she went, "That's Mr. Bilbo's house." And nice. that's when I knew. That's when I knew it. It was it was the right thing to do. But but I remember asking her. I said I said, "Did you?" And I asked her a few years later, "Did you enjoy the Hobbit?" And she said, "You were having fun, Daddy." And I said, "Got it. <laughs> Got, wow. it. Got it. Got but it." See, I'll say this: I appreciate the Hobbit for what it is. Yeah. yeah. And the movies are like my favorites like first of all richard armitage's performance uh, as thorin yeah thorin. to my heart hot thorin yeah there there's hot, hot so much action. of my own personal family family history is bound up in that story yeah. because uh without getting into the the details and this is not to make this like a super cheesy plug here but a lot of the determination and the intestinal fortitude that you guys were just remarking upon comes to me from my father he uh he is to to say that the lines between him and Howard Stark and uh, Thrain of Erebor are strong is to say water is wet. There are a lot of very strong comparisons that can be made there. He was a consultant for Sikorsky Helicopters. He consulted with Otis Elevators. He was a forensic accountant for the Swiss Bank. He uh, he took my mother on a vacation back when they were young 
on the other side of the Berlin Wall. That happened. Um, he he got held up at Indian Customs through travel in the 70s because he was one of the first people to ever bring... This, these were like cutting edge in Hollywood back then. The first personal camera, video camera, that was ever available uh. that you wouldn't even really get on the market. He bought it and was bringing it into India and the government and customs agents thought he might be a spy. Because who does that? It's 1970-something. Who does that? So so I got to ask, when did he make the Mark II uh, Iron Man suit? When did he do that? The business in question was uh, Pearl Metalworks. It was the first stainless steel business in India. Wow. It was wow. Because cutlery used to be made from plating, like plate, right. pl- plating yeah. with steel or other alloys, copper or, or things like that. And of course, that would tarnish, that would wear down, and so on. So sure. they harvested stainless steel from downed World War II aircraft. That makes sense. And that, <laughs> of course, that make, of course, because, <laughs> wow. because uh, so in India, because you didn't hear about you know the number of World War II aircraft that end up in India, apparently were enough to launch a cutlery business out of. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's amazing. A bit of a tycoon. I'm not going to get in super into the details, but to say that the family history rivals Dallas or Dynasty is uh, putting it mildly. Um, my mother and I came here after death threats started happening hey. from the mob because Whoa. my dad was actually facing down the mob. That happened as well. Um, well, that's obviously where you get So your, your dad is kind of a cross between Tony Stark and Elliot Ness. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> yeah. H- Howard. Definitely Howard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So well, I guess I guess we get we can see where you get it from then. Yeah, that that persistence. We, we that have had a rocky relationship. Um, just before one of his other international trips, we sat down and watched the first Iron Man movie together, and that was that was a bonding experience. That, that was that was a thing. That's nice. That's nice. Very appropriate and for Father's Day as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so again, not, not that I was trying to make it a cheesy plug, but so no, 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 no. I like a little cheese. A little, little <laughs> like cheese goes cheese. a long way. A little cheese goes yeah. a long way. The tenacity in question, I have to credit him. That that's where that comes from because the man has also rebooted his career dozens of times. He ran his own computer service business here in Stanford, Connecticut, for decades. Then he uh, once that once he couldn't keep up with that. Because that's that market is constantly, as you know, T. That that is a deeply competitive market. That it and, is. Uh, you got to be is. in classes like practically constantly for that. So he retargeted his career. He started helping out with local charities, uh, Bread and Roses, and uh, St. Luke's LifeWorks. And then he started his own restaurant, which he ran for a number of years as well. Yes, I was that stereotypical Indian. My parents ran their own home cooking deli fresh restaurant. Uh. Sauces made fresh. Mm. And. Uh, we got written up better, comparable to or better than Coromandel, which is like one of the reigning uh, chains out here in, in Connecticut. So uh, that explains your cooking skills. That, as a, and, and Honestly, the, I yeah. did not help out with the restaurant that much. But I have learned. When, so, yes. When, 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 the, when the COVID calms down and you, you finally take us up on the, on the, uh, the invitation, the standing invitation to, to come and spend a weekend with us and just hang out. Um, Absolutely. I I promise you, when it comes to cooking, you can sit back and let me do my thing. Because if there's one thing that COVID has has done, it has upped my cooking game. And, <laughs> nice. And, and now my and now my 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 you're gonna love this because I don't know if you've seen the post, but my my cook my go to cookbook. Oh my co- gosh, the whitest man in Virginia. Whitest man in Virginia from working on this cookbook. Trejos Tacos, as in Danny Mother Effing Trejos. He has released a cookbook. 
know how they say machete kills. No, machete freaking cooks. And tonight, at the time of this recording, I am I am I am making a a brisket barbacoa. And, nice. And I I have no idea what is in store, um, <laughs> but because of that, I have to wrap. I have to wrap this up. We try to keep the shows at, at under an hour because she has she, she edits the shows. <laughs> We're going to be gentle on Pip. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's what they will uh, Jeremiah Cornspan, who's both on the COGS Expo Committee as well as writing for our writing staff, as right. well as participating on our social media staff. And the man is a manager at an Outback, and he is writing a culinary arts series for the unconventional. Wow. Where he analyzes and recreates... Dishes from certain fandom cookbooks, things like the Werewolf the Apocalypse cookbook, oh, the Mage the Ascension cookbook, Leaves from the End of Last Home from Dragonlance and whatnot, and so on. And then he does an article on the food anthropology and what that tells you about wow. those so, worlds. So when, when, when can we have that? <laughs> that it's going to be with our launch content. It's not going to be immediate, but it's going to be, that's going to be with, with the site. It's, as soon as we can, can get the unconventional down. up and running. And, and he takes professional food photography of it in his industrial of course kitchen. he does, of course uh, he does. don't tell him about my outback experience today. i won't i won't i won't i won't so so Savin, <laughs> uh in closing where where can people find give us you? all the linky links uh, okay yeah so, where, where can people find you? it's gonna be real easy all right you can find us at the unconventional or unconventional news as the like short url facebook page uh-huh. unconventional news or just uncon- the unconventional on Facebook. I, I do actually have the linky links, so I will be putting the yes. linky links Perfect. in the in the show I mean, notes. Currently, Geeks Gone Wild is one of our major meme mastheads where a lot of our comedy is gone, so on and so forth. What's going to happen is a number of my pages are going to combine like so many tiny robot lions forming <laughs> a larger robot. <laughs> and we're going to go through a massive rebranding. I even did a little video of how Tony Stark designs that new element in... um in Iron Man 2 I've seen and we captioned it I've for it. brand management and be like literally how you combine brands and analyze your opponents and and uh, <laughs> competitors and then congratulations so it. you've just created a new franchise yeah i mean <laughs> <laughs> precisely so that's the unconventional and it's going to be at the hyphen unconventional.com i'm trying to buy up other urls but in the meantime some other entities have cropped up and have been snatching up domains so we're going to see what actually ends up happening for the final url uh-huh. that's a good one to start with the, the uncon the hyphen unconventional is definitely mine <laughs> i've been sitting <laughs> i've been sitting on that for years so that's and uh we're gonna go from there and of course keep posted on steam funk studios steam hyphen funk studios on facebook we, we uh-huh. are very loud <laughs> about the many things we do and and next year when the pandemic is hopefully behind us we will be seeing you and your multitude of people at events, and, and we will be getting up to shenanigans, and it'll my, be my, great. My Argonauts are mighty, and they are numerous. <laughs> <laughs> we, expect to, we expect to hang out with you next year at all yes. the events that we could possibly find ourselves. Absolutely. Before COVID, as Absolutely. I was saying to you both, one of my greatest joys has been making and finding time to go visit my friends when we're not working. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. just enjoy off time together, and uh, it's you know maybe by that time T's hair will be trimmed. And uh... God, I hope so. <laughs> God, I hope so. Right now, this is I don't my, know. Right... You, you've got kind of a 
old commander of St- Sequest thing going on. Like you've got like a '90s sci-fi. Believe me, I know. Thing going I know. I know. I feel. I feel like back to the Ren fair with that. I feel like Kevin Sorbo in the early years of Hercules, and I'm just. I'm not digging <laughs> it. You know. In fairness, if I can grow mine out and we can just Thoreal it all. There we Thoreal it all day in slow motion. <laughs> Maybe he's I, born with it. Maybe it's Thomas Williford. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Nice. On that note, on that note, uh, you know, you can if, if you got questions for Savin, if you got questions for for me and Pip when it comes to all the things we've talked about, collaboration and uh, creativity wise, you can reach me at t at tmorris.com. Pip, they can reach you at pip at pjballantine.com. You can also leave me, Pip, or Savin voicemail at 703-791-1701, and that includes WhatsApp. You can go ahead and drop a message in WhatsApp, and if you want to reach Savin so that you can plan for your event in 2021, because yes, this is not the norm. We will be returning But to... now's a great time to get in. Now's a great time to get in, because I tell you... We when... book a year in advance. There you so have get it. Get on it now. In there advance. you have it. Thank you, everybody. So, uh, you know, remember, folks, that the Share Desk is protected by a non-commercial, no-derivative share-like United States 3.0 license. You can find out more about that license at creativecommons.org. And until next time, everybody, enjoy the ride. Catch you later. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>